Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Kotal English podcast. Today, we are here with Zach Lowy, as usual. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing great, Dennis. Great to have you back and uh, incredibly excited for episode four because we have a very important guest on today. Yes, indeed. And that very important guest is David Novo from the Portuguese paper Records, obviously a massive paper in um, Portugal. How are you doing, David? Hello. Hello, guys. Everything, everything fine here. And thanks for the invitation um, and for your uh, welcome. Um, being so important, we are, uh, sing- uh, well, I'm tr- I- I'll try to be at the level of the podcast. And, and, and thank you guys for the invitation and for, um, especially for your uh, interest in speaking um, about Portuguese football. Yeah, um, we, we, obviously, we love talking about Portuguese football, me and Zach. Um, we, we've loved hosting this podcast so far, and we're looking forward to future episodes to come. So, um, David, talk to us a bit about what you do at Record. You know, what does your day-to-day work entail? Well, uh, um, nowadays, I do uh, almost everything in all platforms. So, uh, we have um, in a daily newspaper, um, so I write... Um, almost every day for the for the newspaper, uh, of course uh, the the online the website. Also, uh, I, I make several articles that are both for the newspaper um, and on, on websites. Sometimes only for the website, uh, and also I have um, responsibility on the the video. Um, section of the the website, the the, the contents uh, that are made by us. I'm responsible by uh, to 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 make them uh, ready for the website, uh, recording uh, interviews, also hosting a TV uh, show that we have in the the, the TV network of the, of the, the company. Uh, so uh, I try to do uh, I do a lot of things in, in in all platforms. Um, uh, speaking and writing uh, about uh, Portuguese football, also uh, Portuguese players that are um, abroad. Um, I like to tell stories and I like to tell stories and to, to, to do contents, um, written, uh, video, er- everything that uh, you can imagine, imagine I like to do uh, regarding uh, Portuguese football and uh, not only, but also regarding football. So what, like, what's been one of your more recent um, pieces that you've enjoyed doing? Well, tough question. Recent, recent. Well, um, um, last year, it's not that recent, but last year I had a chance to, I went to France, to Lille, and I spent um, a day with Luis Campos, uh, former uh, Lille sporting director, and uh, I spent a day with him uh, during the, the transfer market, the winter uh, transfer market. And I had the chance to, to, to talk with him about uh, uh, transfers, about uh, his uh, scouting system. And uh, we, we made the story with him, uh, with video and also text, um, with him explaining how he works and how he discovered players, um, cheap players, and then how he, he managed to, to sell them for big, big money. So uh, it was uh, f- one year ago, 
but I, I, I think that it was one of the, the best contents that I ever made for the for, for record, also as a journalist, because um, it was not easy to, um, of course, the merit is, is, is from Luis Campos because he, he gave the authorization. Um, he had uh, several proposals to do contents like that. He always said no. This time he said yes. So a uh, big opportunity for me and um, I enjoyed a lot. So I think it was one of the best I, uh, contents that um, I did that I, I appreciate the most. And yeah. uh, Luis, just quick, Luis Campos obviously not working with Lille anymore. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that he would go to, back to Portugal or uh, where do you think his next move will be? Well, I, I think it's going to be difficult for him to, to, to return to Portugal right now. Um, he, he, he gave an interview recently where he showed some interest in um, go to a club that, uh, that challenges for, for titles. I, I, I thought, I, I, I think that he wants to go to a bigger club than Lille in terms of uh, history and maybe uh, fighting for other uh, other titles. And I don't think that he's going to be back to Portugal right now. I think he 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 might um, take this chance to go to another team of the the big five um, and a bigger club than Lille. In spite, we see that Lille is now in top of the, 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 the French championship. We're not used to see that because PSG uh, uh, is champion every year. But uh, I believe that uh, Portugal for now, it's not going to be his, his uh, goal um, for now for his, his next project. Just uh, another quick question about Hickord's um, marketing strategy and outreach. I've spoken to some uh, higher ups with the um, in France, the um, Le Monde uh, newspaper, and in in Spain, the El País newspaper. And one thing that that's been an interesting pattern is that a lot of their uh, sales in their native countries are going down, and yet in abroad, in for ex for the example of El País, Argentina. Um, Venezuela, even Brazil, they have a Brazilian section. For Le Monde, it would be, you know, Africa. Um, I was wondering what, how, how is Hecord doing? Have, have Hecord made a, you know, an effort to expand to other um, Portuguese-speaking countries such as Brazil, Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau, or um, is it mainly just a Portuguese-based market? Marketing. Well, as far as, I, as I, I'm concerned, I, I'm aware that we are only mainly Portuguese, as you said, uh, not with uh, other countries. Um, I don't have the numbers, I don't have all the information, but, um, but of course, in terms of, of numbers, I think it, it was something general in Europe and across the world with the pandemic situation that we went through, but that we are uh, all, uh, still going through of course, at some impact because we, we had some months without football, without sports, and we had to do a sports newspaper every day. We had a website to fill every day. And without sports, um, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy because we have to, we have to be um, creative. You have to, uh, to have the creativity to 
to to to to provide information and contents for our subscribers for our viewers uh, for our audience uh, but without the games without the football that people in portugal um, love and of course that, that have impacts in the in the numbers um, in terms of uh, of uh, um, the, the 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 journal edition but uh, i think it's something that is I believe all Europe, uh, across the world, we have, uh, of course, uh, growing in the digital uh, subscribers and also page views, because it's it's now they just like how people like to consume information, uh, not not uh, with the newspaper, but newspaper, but mainly with the mobile, the website. So um, uh, we are one of the biggest, if not biggest, with if not the biggest sports newspaper in Portugal. The biggest brand because we have all the platforms but of course it's not easy for 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 us like for for others uh david obviously you were just talking about um lil before and they have brought they brought in two players from portugal and in fact they sent two players back to portugal on loan they sent show and obviously angel gomez to bovista um what are your thoughts on angel gomez this season obviously being a shining light in quite um, a, a bad team this season for Bovista. What are your thoughts on him? Well, Angel is, is a really talented uh, player. I think he's showing that in the team that... I think the thing is with Bovista, they, they signed a lot of new players. Um, some of them young players. Um, and sometimes young players uh, need time to, to adapt themselves. For a new country, a new a new championship, um, and uh, a lot of new players together. Uh, the team is uh, really young. They, they have, of course, experienced players like Javi Garcia, for example, but uh, mainly they are young players. And um, they started with a young coach, Vasco Siabra. Um, they managed to, to get an, um, a huge win against Mifika, three 0 at the time, it was the only win that Vasco Siabra did had in the during his spell in Boavista. Uh, now they have an experienced coach, uh, Josualdo Ferreira, uh, one of the most experienced co coaches that Portugal has. But uh, young players and the new team, especially uh, a lot of new players, uh, need time to 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 for to to build a team. Um, and 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 people, I think that people. Uh, when they saw that Bovista were um, uh, at that connection with Lille, uh, when they saw young players um, that had um, the, the connection with Lille's scouting system, not regard, only regarding Luis Campos, but, but also Admar Lopes, that he's, uh, he, he, Admar is uh, Luis Campos' right arm in, 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 in Lille. Uh, they, are, they, they work as a team. And, and people maybe thought that we're going to see the old Bovista, the Bovista that was, I'm not going to say that Bovista was going to be champion again, but uh, maybe uh, people thought that Bovista were, were going to be fighting for uh, a European spot, for example. Um, it, it might, it might ha happen in the future, but in the first season with a lot of new players, it's, it, it, I think it's, uh, it's more difficult. So, of course, they are fighting for survival. They are fighting to, to, to stay in the, the, um, in the first division. Um, I think with, with projects like this, uh, 
you have to give time because uh, Lille didn't born from the one day to another. You have to give time to players. And um, Bovis is a historical team. Um, and I think that people need to, to give them time to, to establish the, the project. And are, is the partnership, we've seen a few players go between Lille and Belenenche uh, in, the, in the previous years. Uh, has that partnership basically gone out the window with this new uh, partnership between Boavista and Lille? Well, uh, the, the owner, uh, Gerard Lopez, uh, I've seen for some, some news and information that he, he sold Lille, but he still has his participation in Bovista. I think Edmar Lopes is still in Bovista. So I think that the, maybe there is not, no longer the connection with Lille, but the connection with the, the, with the investor um, that, of course, if a, 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 an investor invests money, uh, of course, he, he wants to, to get the retribution. He wants, he wants to, I believe he's not going to give up on the project. I don't have privileged information about that. But, um, but the project is still on. Uh, changed the coach um, at the beginning, but some information uh, reported that Vasco Siabra was not the, the coach chosen by the, the investor, was already chosen when the investor came. So they they got they 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 let him continue, but then he they changed them changed him for for Josualdo. But um, we have to see next season, next season with the, the transfer market in the the, the summer, uh, if the, the the signings will be uh, with that connection or not, or or ex exploring other markets. Uh, we have to see. Um, David, obviously. Despite them being lost in the table um, right now, the gap to seventh place is only 10 points. Obviously, Bovistro on 18 right now and Santa Clara on 28 points um, in seventh. Um, do you see them being able to make up the gap this season and avoiding relegation? Well, it's possible. As, as you said, uh, the, um, the, the numbers are not that bad. The distance is not uh, so high, so I, I believe that it, it can happen. As I said, uh, with the experience that Josual Ferreira has, of course, experience, uh, it's not everything, but it's important with the team of young players to have a coach that uh, Josualdo uh, was champion with Porto, worked in Qatar, worked in Brazil, uh, worked in sporting in different functions. Uh, worked in Braga, uh, so uh, I think they have the right manager for for the project now. It's not that Vasco was not a, a good coach; it's not like that. But I think that Josualdo gives the experience, and with time, maybe they they can uh, they can achieve the uh, to to avoid relegation. Um, also, that shows that uh, in spite of people saying sometimes that the Portuguese Championship at the top. Is not so competitive. Um, again, this year we have uh, a gap between Sporting and the others. But uh, when you look down, you see that the, the 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 fight between several clubs. I think it's going to be as as usual until the last round with the two, three, four, five clubs 
fighting for uh, to avoid relegation so in that case you see that it's competitive it's not good for the, for those for those teams that uh, need to fight until the end uh, it's like a little bit of anxious uh, anxiety to until the end but um, maybe they, they they can survive maybe they can still in the be in the, the first uh, in the first division um, of course, in Portugal, we always want that historical teams to be in the first division of the of the, the country. Um, Zach, what what do you rate Bovista's chances of making it through um, to next season's uh, Primeira Liga? Yeah, I mean, uh, you both made great points that while this is a very poor season for both Benfica and Porto. Um, I think the mid-table and lower league clubs, the level of quality there, uh, I can't remember a time it's been higher. I mean, looking at this relegation fight between teams such as Farange with Ryan Gold, uh, Marichmo, um, Boavist, and, and Famalicão, who, of course, were just to kick away from stealing Europe League football last season. Um, it's it's just incredible. As for Boavista's chances, um, I think that they, I think they have a good chance just because there's just so much talent there. And despite the fact that a lot of these players are not really used to Portugal or are very young, such as uh, Angel Gomes or um, or Albert Ellis or, or Reg Cannon, there is a lot of talent there and a lot of players who will be taking that step up very soon, um, including, for example, Jackson Poroso. Um, there's there's just a lot of talent there. I think it's a matter of time when it it will click. I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, in the Primera if, if they can't get it together. But uh, I, I do think that they have been playing better as of late. Um, you know, not not just in the in the in the match against Porto, for example, but for example in, in the in Friday's match against Vitoria de Guimarães, um, going going ahead before just narrowly losing. Uh, and Vitoria are obviously not an easy team to play against. So it's going to be extremely tough. Uh, you also have to watch out for Famalicão, who, uh, you know, with, with Manuel Ugarte gaining steam in Portugal, they're going to be a team that could resurface. Um, you know, a lot of very tough teams to play against, um, and, and, and none of them are pushovers either. When you look at their performances, against big teams. Farenc recently getting a draw against Benfica. Uh, Marichimo, I think despite being, what, second last place, they still eliminated the sporting from um, the, the Tasa. So a lot of competition there, and, and we shouldn't take that for granted. There's a ton of quality uh, in those, you know, bottom 10 spots in Liga Noche. So it's, it's currently an enthralling relegation fight uh, in the Primeira and I, I, I am backing Boavista to just barely avoid relegation. I think that they could potentially do Columbia have done, you know, survive relegation by the scruff of their neck and then, you know, make a, make a, a push in the summer, get in some good players uh, and, and go up the table. I think that's, a, a, I think that is a possibility, but obviously, uh, staving off relegation is easier said than done. Um, David, something you spoke about was um, how, you know, the title race is going so far. Obviously, with Sporting, quite frankly, running away with it. Um, 
currently nine points ahead of Braga. Um, you know, before the season, I don't think anyone would have expected us to be sitting here and saying uh, Sporting would be first, Braga second, especially after Braga seemed like they were going to struggle after losing um, both Francisco Trincao and um, Ruben Amarim. So what are your thoughts on how, like, Sporting and Braga have come up, David and Zach, um, and how, you know, Porto and Benfica haven't been up to their usual standards? Well, in terms of, of Sporting, I think the, the biggest surprise is not them being first. I think it's it's the, the points that have um, had, because every year uh, we see that, we know that Benfica, Sporting and Porto starts as our our favorites, uh, os três grandes, as we say. Um, but then in recent years, in the past, uh, we saw Benfica and Porto uh, fighting for the title and won it, and Sporting stayed behind uh, several years. They were close uh, five years ago with, uh, with George Zouch. The, big, the biggest surprise, of course, as I said, is see Sporting at this stage with more uh, 10 points than Porto nine points ahead of, 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 of Braga. Of course, the advantage from, from Benfica that still plays uh, today. Um, but in the case of, of Braga, of course, they, they lost Trincão. They lost the coach that they were planning a project with Ruben Amorim. Ruben Amorim started really well at, at, uh, at Braga. He won the, the League Cup. Um, and and the, the project, of course, was to, to, to keep the coach and, and to, to fight for, uh, for, for, uh, for the top uh, places. But Carlos Carvalhal, it's also a, a Portuguese talented coach. Uh, it's uh, older than Ruben Amorim, but has a lot of experience. Uh, was already in the club in the past. And um, they are second. Second place, it's the best uh, place that... Uh, Braga had in the, in the championship with uh, Leonardo Jardim, I think, some years ago. Um, they lost Paulinho uh, now for, for Sporting, but they, they also also have an, a really, really good squad, uh, also like Sporting. Sporting, as, in, in sporting uh, as, I think it's, it's the mixture of the, the experience that they have with Adan, uh, Neto, uh, Coates, even João Mario, that he has a lot of, of experience. And then you have the, the, the young players, Nuno Mendes, Porro, Gonçalo Inácio, uh, Mateus Nunes, uh, Pedro Gonçalves, the top goal scorer of the championship, Tiago Tomás, Jovan, and this mixture of the, 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 oh, the players that are 30 years old or more, and the young players is, 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 is a perfect combination. It's working really well. And then Ruben Amorim, of course, a young coach, but already showing that uh, he uh, is really competent. And with a really good speech uh, for, for, for the media, a different coach, a different approach. But I think that Sporting is going, going really well. Also, also Braga and then Mexico and Porto, of course, behind what they expected. Uh, Benfica invested a lot and things are not going well, but um, but the, the championship is is, is interesting. Uh, the, we have uh, some some matches ahead, and the, I think that uh, it's going to be a good good championship until the end. But I, I'm not seeing Sporting losing this uh, this advantage. 
I mean, starting off with Sporting, I think it's not only a surprise that they're, what, 10 points clear at this point, um, but the fact that they are leaders. Let's not forget that Benfica, going into the season, had put in a historic uh, spending spree in the transfer market. Uh, yes, they lost Ruben Diaz to Manchester City, but they brought in players such as proven internationals, such as Jan Vertonghen, Nicolas Otamendi, as well as players such as, um, you know, Everton Suarez, uh, Luca Waldschmidt, Darwin Nunes, uh, Pedrinho, a lot of very promising, expensive players. Uh, and, and of course, with Porto's side, yes, they lost Alex Tejas to um, Manchester United, but they reinforced their attack very well with Meditaremi, uh, Tony Martinez, and Evan Nielsen. Um, they, they brought in a lot of very promising players such as Zaidu Sanusi. So I don't think that many people, even, even the most optimistic sporting fans, would have predicted sporting to be top uh, by the start of March. But I, I think that was potentially a lesson for a lot of Portuguese clubs. Maybe not focus so much in, in the attack, which we saw Benfica and Porto do, but focus on, on midfield and and, and, and defense and, uh, as well. I mean, I think that's one thing that Sporting did very well, uh, you know, bringing João Pelinha back from loan. Obviously, they tried to sell him, but they couldn't. And that's been one of their best, uh, I guess it's been a bl blessing in disguise, uh, getting João Mario on loan from Inter, uh, bringing him back. How important has he been? I mean, I thought that he was probably the best player on the pitch, um, for Saturday's match against Porto, he those are the kinds of matches where he thrives in a match where Sporting doesn't have much possession and it's just kind of a, a rock and roll, um, fast-paced match where there's not much in the way of build-up or individual quality attack, but there is a lot of intensity in the pressing and it's just a very you know aggressive match. I thought that he was superb. Um, uh, alongside Paulinha. I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch. Uh, so, you know, it's a massive credit to Huben Amorim. I think that, you know, I, I um, the, the fact that he is, what, two years younger than Porto's captain Pep, I, I just think a lot of us take that for granted. This is a guy who didn't have a great career as a footballer, but is already, is only, what, 36, only just turned 36 in January and is already taking Sporting to what looks very likely to be their first ever title um, in 20 years. I mean, that's just incredible. And uh, just just one uh, another thing about that game, um, I thought that it was very it was very typical of Portugal, very low in quality in terms of attack, in terms of build up, um, and also a lot of choice words being thrown out, a lot of ugly fouls and yellow cards uh, we saw at the end of the game with uh, Francisco Conceição um, you know refusing to shake what was it the the hand of Pedro Pojo and you know cursing at him and then you had players such as uh, Histovsky on you know at former sporting player but making fun of Sergio Oliveira um, you know a lot of insults thrown from of course from Oliveira who said I think it was at the end of the game saying that like winning at the Dragao is like winning a Champions League um, for for Sporting. Um, obviously, it's a high tension match, 
But I thought that I, I just like to highlight the fact that probably the only person who really stood out as being mature and level-headed was Hubena Morim after the game. You know, he deflected the situation and said, you know, Sergio Oliveira, we, we understand that it's, he's, he's heated up after the match. Um, we're not going to take its heart. I thought that was really good. Um, he's always, you know, given credit to the players when I think a lot of that credit should be given to him. Um, he's just shown to be a very uh, cool, collected, and, um, and, and mature person. I think that's something that uh, people who are, what, 20, 40 years older in, in Sergio Conceição and George Jesus, I think they can learn a lot from that. Um, so I, I just wanted to highlight that. Um, as for Braga, though, I, it's been a fantastic season for them, considering the fact that they lost Palinha on um, going back from his loan and heading to Sporting. Uh, they did a fantastic job of, of replacing him, uh, bringing in Ali El Musrati on a free transfer um, from Vitoria de Guimaraes. He's been, I think, along with Palinha, the best midfielder in Portugal this season. Such a graceful player. Uh, you know, I, I was watching the game against Nacional yesterday and he picked out just an amazing pass uh, it, to, to set up the, the, it was the initial goal. Uh, it wasn't an assist, it was more of a hockey assist, but he's just been such a phenomenal signing for them. Uh, so it's really a testament to their recruitment, but, but also to the job that Carlos, Carlos Calvallal has done. Uh, I would argue that Braga are currently playing the best football in Portugal even ahead of sporting right now. It just, when you watch them, it's just a, a joy uh, to, to watch. And this comes despite losing Trincao to Barcelona, despite losing um, Paulinho to, to sporting in January. And to their credit, they've managed to get good uh, quality, good um, value for both those players, you know, getting in, well, I think it was 18 million for Paulinho, as well as getting Andres Porar, uh, on loan and and um, Christian Borja, uh, and they also managed to get Abel Huiz um, uh, as well as the 30 million from the Trincao deal. And it's it's interesting how Ruiz and Sporar are right now competing for that starting center forward position. Uh, so both teams deserve a lot of credit for their recruitment, but also their style of play. And uh, I if if Sporting and Braga end up getting the the two Champions League spots for Portugal. I, I think that's that's something that you know Portuguese fans can be very proud of. And Zach, just, just one thing about Braga that you mentioned: the playing the attractive football. I agree, is playing uh, one of the best, uh, one of the most attractive football in Portugal, and uh, with the fact that Braga was playing in Europa League and in the, in the they have now the, the semi final of the, of the Portuguese Cup. And they were playing three, four days um, with, with games only with three, four days to, to rest. And then they, they keep the level. They made with Roma in Europa League, it, it was not easy because Roma is also a good team. But they managed the, between the two games with Roma, with that, that were games with a lot of, of, of work. And they managed to, to do a, a really good game. So um, now they don't have the Europa League. They have the Portuguese Cup, 
let's see with with time to rest to 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 players to to rest a little bit um they can they can do uh until the end of the championship i think they are going to do really really good games playing good food, football and uh, and uh, and achieving the the results and i believe the second leg of the um passage portugal semifinals is on thursday against uh, uh porto if i'm not mistaken yeah. yes. obviously the first leg was incredibly heated uh, having you know david carmo going out with that uh, yeah. season ending injury so a chance to get a um a, a trip to the final where they will most likely face benfica uh it's going to be a fantastic match between two very good teams uh and i'm, I'm really looking forward to to seeing that match yeah definitely i think braga have had um a very good season like you say they play very good attractive football and one of the most impressive things i've found about them has been their european um success you know I, I would call it European success a lot of people um, wouldn't consider it that but for Braga it's been really good you know they were in groups um, compete against Leicester City who are obviously doing very well in the Premier League and they competed in the in the knockout rounds with um, Fonseca's Roma and we know that Roma um, are a very good team you know they can be um, quite error prone but for the most part they are a very good team and against both teams on both occasions that they played them, um, it was a really good showing um, from from Braga. So I think they can definitely hold their, held, um, hold their heads high and definitely worthy of the position that they are in the league, only nine points away from um, Sporting. And, you know, if somehow miraculously Sporting do fade away at the end of the season, we could be sat here talking about Braga potentially winning the league. You know, it's not out of the realms of possibility yet. So, yeah, they've definitely been doing um, a very good job this season. Um, we spoke a bit about the, the Porto game against uh, Sporting that happened at the weekend, obviously finishing in a, a draw, uh, no, no. Um, I think you, I think Jean Mario, I think Zach Lau, um, Zach, you mentioned was like your, your man of the match. But I think personally, I thought um, Corona was probably the best player on the pitch. I mean, what we saw him do practically carried Porto on his back, you know, um, outside of his set-piece deliveries that since Telles have left have been, you know, really good. Um, he managed to complete six key passes, for example, when he created obviously the biggest chance of the game for Porto. Um, he kept taking players on down the touchline, came inside a bit um, from the right-hand side. Um, and overall, I just think he had, um, you know, perhaps one of his best performances um, for Porto this season. Yes, I, I agree. In terms of, of the the classical, um, I, I had a job. Uh, I, I was working on Saturday, watching the game, working for uh, for Record. Uh, I had a job to to analyze the sporting team. Of course, when 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 you do that, you have to analyze both. But I was uh, mainly focused on the sporting team. I, I agree with uh, with Zach when he spoke about Romario. I, I was I had a, a, a dilemma. Uh, for, to choose the, the best player, I only can choose one. And I was in a dilemma um, between João Padinha and, and, uh, and uh, João Mario. I gave them the, the same rating, four, uh, uh, from zero to, to five. So I gave them almost uh, um, the highest rating of, the, of, the, of our newspaper. But um, 
they, they combined really well in the midfield. Uh, uh, João Mario with intelligence, uh, uh, um, know, he knows when to pass, when to stop, when when uh, intelligent. When, when you, you you don't know you don't need to to run uh, as fast as you can to to be a, a player that uh, shows uh, skills. So he's really intelligent. Uh, and and Palinha, of course, uh, defending, attacking. Palinha only considered a one fall, and and when you play in that position as a number six, uh, as a defensive midfielder, and in 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 a heated game like you said, and manage just to concede one fall, and uh, I think it's truly remarkable. Um, they also Coates uh, played really good, but uh, those two, João Palinha, João Mario, uh, they were really impressive, and the game. Well, the, 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 the draw was, uh, was good for Sporting uh, to keep the advantage. Not so good for, for Porto, of course. I, I think that people were expecting that Porto could be more intense to create more opportunities. But, uh, of course, merit to, to, to Sporting that uh, managed to, to, to hold on the, the, the rival. And they could have won. They had that chance with Mateus Nunes. Um, it was not a game with a lot of chances, but Taremi had two or three shots where he can could, could score the goal. And, and uh, as I said, the draw, it's like a, a, a victory for, for Sporting because they, they keep the 10 points in one game less. And the draw for Porto was because it was the, 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 the a perfect opportunity to, to, to cut the to, to seven points and and to to keep the the the, the faith in, in the title with 10 points is more more complicated but um in general uh, it it was not a bad game well with goals it's all, always better but uh, I, I think it was a tactical um in a tactical point of view it was a good game and uh, and as i said João Panini João Mario for me the best uh, from the sporting team yeah i mean you are right, Dennis, that Tecatito had a great game. Um, I One thing that I noticed when I, analyzing the match is that Porto did try to build through the right flank uh, with, with Tecatito and Nanafa and, and trying to find uh, Musa Marega in space um, and, and I think set up a lot of cross opportunities for Meditaremi uh, to convert, which obviously didn't work. But... Yeah, Tecatito is definitely one of those players who I think uh, is is best prepared to take that step to a top five league. Um, he's shown that on a consistent basis in both the fullback and the winger positions. Um, and I think that, yeah, we, we saw how important he was to that right side, uh, I guess, focus from Sergio Conceição and, and Porto's standpoint. Um, so he, he did very well. And um, I thought that Porto played the better match. They had, I think, what was it, 14 shots maybe? And, and Sporting, um, I think, I'm, I'm not sure if they had more than, what, one or two. Uh, but it is telling as well that, that, you know, despite all of Porto's opportunities, you could argue that Mateus Nunes' chance at the end of the game was the best chance that either team had. 
Um, so I think it's both a testament to the job that Sporting did, you know, defending with a uh, special credit going out to uh, Sebastian Coates and, and Suhair Faidal, uh, but also that lack of efficiency from Porta has been incredibly frustrating for them in, you know, in several games, you know, even the, the, the week prior, um, going back to that match against Marichimo, uh, it's, it's been something that has definitely been a, a problem for Porto. And I think it might end up costing Sergio Conceição his job at the end of the season. Yeah. Um... It's it's going to be interesting to see how Porto deal with um, Conceição if they're going to consider, you know, if he does get third place where Porto are now, Porto potentially going down to um, fourth with Benfica playing tonight. Um, you know, is that, you know, worth sacking him for and bringing someone else in? Um, I'm not too sure. Maybe, maybe they'll stick with him. Um, I've not ever been too convinced with him, to be honest. I mean, yes, he has a a, a fairly good chance of going through to the next round of the Champions League and you know if he puts together a, a good Champions League run then it's going to be very hard for anyone to say for Porto to let him go but I think domestically um, you know even even last season I don't think Porto were you know this team that were a, a very very strong team I just think that um, Benfica fell apart and um, it was just a case of Porto being the one um, to you know, come through and win the title. Um, what are your thoughts um, on Sergio Conceição, David? Well, um, of course, this season is not going is not uh, what he he would expect. But he won two championships in three years, uh, investing uh, less than uh, than Benfica, especially. Um, you have to see that through the years he lost um, Alex Tells, Daniel this season, for example, but in former seasons uh, he lost um, Eder Militão, um, Flip, um, other important Casillas for another reason, for health issues and not for sporting reasons, but uh, he lost also uh, Casillas. Uh, so he lost some key players during the, the seasons. And he managed to, to in, the, in the, the the next season to 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 build a squad that were um, enough for the Portuguese Championship, winning those two in three years. And um, of course, I think that he, his his record in the Champions League, Champions League, it's pretty amazing for a Portuguese club. Uh, if we see the recent years, because. In the recent years, we are more used to see Portuguese teams doing um, great seasons in Europa League, not in Champions League. And he managed to do some really interesting results in Champions League. Let's see this season. Um, Porto won the first leg against the Juventus. Let's see the, the second leg. But of course, when, when, when you are the Porto uh, coach or Benfica Sporting, uh, people want to win the championship and let's see what happens in the other competitions. Of course, Champions League really important for financial reasons because that money that Porto uh, um, won uh, in the Champions League were crucial um, in terms of, uh, of uh, here, the stability of the, of the club in terms of financial for play and things like that. 
Um, but of course, if Porto doesn't win the championship, uh, I think in, in, the, in the, the end of the season, maybe um, people of the structure of Porto need to, to, to with the coach, to analyze what happened and to see um, if, um, if uh, he's going to stay. Another uh, important uh, thing that I think it's important to speak, um, Sergio Conceição has, uh, I think, some reports in Italy that uh, he um, has been follow, followed by Italian clubs. They spoke about Lazio in Inter, clubs that he, he uh, represented as a player. Uh, and I think that he still has some reputation in Italian football. And uh, when, when, when you do, because when Portuguese coaches do uh, good things in Champions League, uh, special in Champions League, uh, they, they attract the attention of, of other championships. Um, so maybe in the, at the end of the season, we can speak again. And maybe we are, we are speaking that maybe he left uh, because of the decision of the club, or, or maybe he can leave by his own decision to go abroad and to, to, to step up the level and to go to a big five um, championship. I don't know. But um, let's see. Let's see. Um, of course, at this time, Porto, uh, of course, uh, expected to be uh, at the top or to be closer to the top. Um, Zach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with much of what David said. I think that Conceição has done a very good job at Porto since uh, joining after that half season at Nantes. Um, and and he has definitely, I think, despite this poor season, uh, he has definitely increased his stock as a manager. And, uh, you know, given the fact that he is fluent in Italian, I could certainly see him making a move to a top half Serie A team, um, potentially, I don't know, Sassuolo or a team like Lazio, I think would be a great fit. Um, the, another question is if Simone Inzaghi is going to leave. Uh, you never know in Italian football because uh, it is kind of a managerial merry-go-round every year. Um, I potentially, uh, I, I'm not sure, maybe Roma. Obviously, he has connections with Lazio, but uh, if Paolo Fonseca does get the sack, which you know could, could be likely if Roma don't seal Champions League football, he could definitely be um, an interesting option but yeah, I, I think that at the end of the season, let's be realistic. Porto are not winning the Primera and they're not winning the Champions League. Um, they might win a cup, but I'm not sure if that's really enough to justify continuing this project. I think that it would might it might make sense to part ways, uh, I guess, have a mutual rescission. Um, I, I think that there's definitely an argument to be made that that both sides need a fresh start at this point. Um, I think that Conceição has probably taken Porto as as far as he can at this point. Um, and, and I think that Porto, on the other hand, uh, they I think they you can argue that they need may need a fresh uh, change in approach especially with, I think, a lot of players such as Otavio, um, potentially Musa Marega, 
could be leaving this summer, and those have obviously been very important parts to Conceição's Porto side over the years. Um, so I think that Porto will be looking to get a lot younger and and perhaps change their approach. There are obviously a lot of good Portuguese managers available on the market. Um, I think that Pepa from Passos de Ferreira could definitely be someone uh, that 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 could be of interest to them, um, but a ton of other candidates. I think that it would make sense for both parties to uh, split. And, and I think that, uh, you know, if, if he does stay for another season, maybe they, maybe they win another title, but I, I just think that they need a fresh change of approach. Um, I think that I would definitely like to see them uh, incorporate more talents from their incredible youth system because apart from uh, Francisco Conceição, his son, um, there aren't many youth players who are getting opportunities, I would say. Um, and I think it, it might be nice to, it, it might make sense economically, but also from a sporting perspective uh, to focus more on the academy. And I'm not sure if Conceição is the right manager for that. So, you know, we could see potentially it could be similar, for example, to when Bruno Lage uh, came in for Huy Vitoria at Benfica and gave players such as Florentino Luis, Fejo, and, and Joao Felix opportunities in the first team. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, in summary, I think that a fresh, a fresh start uh, is necessary for both Porto and Conceição. Um, and I do think that Conceição could be a, a big success in Italy or another top five league. Um, on the note of younger players, um, let's move on to our, our talent of the week section um, of today's podcast. And um, I know that Zach has someone that he wants to speak about. So, Zach, do you want to go ahead? Right. Um, I was considering Joao Paulinha, uh, and I want to point out that Record just did a very good uh, piece on, on Paulinha. Uh, comparing his numbers to William Carvajal and Ruben Evj and uh, Danilo Pereira. So definitely someone who, who could be in contention for a Euro spot. But I have my own player who I, I want to talk about. Um, he was not born in Portugal and he has not played in Portugal for uh, nine years at this point, but he is involved in the Portuguese setup. Um, and his name is Domingos Kina, currently playing at Granada. So Domingos uh, Kina was, was born in Guinea-Bissau, moved to Portugal at a young age, uh, developed a bit at, at Benfica's academy before going to Chelsea, uh, spent some time developing at another world-class academy in Cobham, uh, Cobham Academy before uh, leaving for West Ham, didn't really get much in the way of opportunities at West Ham, along with a lot of other, you know, young Portuguese players who've moved there, such as Gonzalo Cardoso and Mesacaju and, and Sande Silva. But uh, eventually left for Watford um, after I believe it was the uh, I believe after after winning the U19 uh, Euros with Portugal also a member of that victorious U17 Euro scene back in 2016. Um, and, you know, didn't really 
get much playing time at Watford either. Um, never really managed to solidify a starting spot. Obviously, it's hard for a young player in, in a team that changes managers every few months and that is either fighting relegation or fighting for promotion. Um, but he recently joined Granada on loan and has had a fantastic start to his time um, in Andalusia. He, uh, he, he opened the scoring, I believe it was against um, Huesca a few, a few weeks ago with an absolute golazo. And he did the same against Elche uh, this, this weekend. So he's finally getting minutes in a, in a team which, let's remember, are alive in the uh, Europa League round of 16 and are currently pushing for another uh, Europa League berth. Uh, I believe they're eighth right now. So he's a very complete midfielder, um, able to perform, I think, as, as either a box-to-box midfielder or as an attacking midfielder, um, still a long ways away from securing a, a roster spot with the senior team. But at, at 21 years old, um, there's a lot of potential for him. And I think that Granada is just the place uh, that, that could restore his confidence and, and get him to that level. Uh, Diego Martinez is a very good manager. And I think that I expect him to develop a lot um, and potentially even join them on a permanent deal uh, this summer. Yeah, I mean, we know that obviously getting minutes for younger players is very important. And, you know, another player that's gone to, to Portugal that I'm not going to bring up um, a lot about today, but Ferro obviously moved to Valencia in, in January and he seems like he's going to be getting uh, quite a bit more minutes than he was getting at Benfica this season. So, yeah, taking a step um, perhaps, you know, forward um, for younger players and getting more minutes um, has obviously... As we've seen with like the transition from England to Germany for a couple of players like Jaden Central, for example, getting minutes for younger players is actually one of the most important things for their development. Um, David, who, who do you have in mind as one of your players to watch um, in Portugal or outside of Portugal? Well, uh, talent of the week, uh, I chose João Palhinha. Uh, literally talent of the week because, as I said before, I chose him as one of the, the best players of Sporting in the, in the Clásico. Um, of course, I think he, he's the best signing, one of the best signings of Sporting without being a signing because he was already a Sporting player. He ended this, the, the loan to, to Braga. Uh, as you know, as, as, Zach, as Zach told, he, was, um, he almost left uh, reports from England, I think Wolverhampton, also reports from Russia. Uh, Jean Pagnini was focused in Premier League, of course. Um, he also he already admitted that he, it's the championship where he think he would like to play and where he thinks that he's perfect for. Um, we don't know what might happen, but uh, I think it's 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 obvious that staying it was uh, really good for him and for Sporting, one of the best players of the championship one of the best in the classical and i believe um i think he's going to be called up for the national team in the the next um, games that portugal have and let's see if he's still on time for the um, for the euro of course a lot of competition 
a Ruba Neves, Danilo, William Carvalho, João Moutinho, come on, the Portuguese midfield with three, three spots to, 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 to play and you also have Bruno Fernandes. I think it's not easy for, for Fernando Santos, of course, not only in the midfield, but all positions, uh, luckily for us. But I think that João Paninha deserves uh, at least one, one opportunity at uh, the national team. And I believe that um, this opportunity uh, will uh, arrive in the, the next uh, squad of the, the Portuguese team. Uh, another Portuguese players, uh, well, we have a lot. Uh, we have a lot uh, uh, doing Ruben Dias, of course, uh, huge impact in the, the Premier League. Uh, well, when, when you, you, you listen to Pep Guardiola speaking uh, about Ruben Dias, well, you see, we see everything. But when a coach like Pep Guardiola speaks like that of a player, well, it's uh, all, all <laughs> we need, don't need to, to say more. Um, well, Pedro Neto in the Wolverhampton, of course, also playing really, really good. Um, well, uh, I, I only chose one, but I can think about others that uh, because Portugal has so many talented players, not only here in Portugal, but also abroad. It's hard to, to choose one or two or three because there are so many, but uh, I don't know. I can think a little bit better and uh, I can speak about other players here in Portugal. Of course, Pedro Gonçalves, um, to be a, a midfielder and to be top scorer of the, of the league, it, well, it means that you play a lot. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I chose uh, João Paninha uh, also because of the, the Classico. Uh, I, I, I took the, the expression talent of the week to maybe <laughs> I was too literal, but I was, I was almost choosing or Pedro Gonçalves or uh, Nuno Mendes. Um, it's true that Nuno Mendes didn't play that good in the Classico, but with 18 years old, um, I, I, I really like left-footed players. I'm also left-footed, but we're not uh, not uh, that the talent enough to be uh, professional. But and Nuno Mendes, um, we we know that for several years Portuguese didn't have so many options for for left back. Um, and Nuno Mendes is well uh, with 18 years old to, to play what he plays with the pace, with the 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 speed, uh, the crossing ability. Uh, another example, I don't know if he's going to be called up by, by Fernando Santos. I'm really curious to know if he's going to be, uh, um, if Fernando Santos is going to call him in the next, uh, for the next games. I'm re really curious to see. Um, of course, national team now has Mario Rui, Rafael Guerreiro, um, Cancelo. I believe that Cancelo might be a serious option for Portugal in the Euro, playing as a left back. Also because we have Ricardo Pereira, um, uh, Nelson Smith for uh, right back. So, but uh, Nuno Mendes, I think uh, it's going to be, um, well, he, he, I think he's already being uh, uh, followed by the, uh, by the, the, the big clubs uh, because uh, um, good left backs are not easy to find and good left backs with his age, with his age, are uh, extremely uh, difficult to find. So um, I believe he's going to be 
a player that Sporting can sell for a lot of money in the future and can be um, a player for a top club. I don't, I'm not saying now, but two, three, four years. Uh, so talent of the week, there are, uh, there are uh, many players that can, can be talent of the week, talent of the season, you name it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, Nuno Mendes, I think, I'm not sure he's going to get a call up as I think that Santos will probably prefer Mario Hui um, and uh, Rafael Guerreiro um, and perhaps take Mendes to a, a youth tournament, the 21 Euros potentially. Um, but João Palinha, of course, great choice. Uh, I think it's, it's incredible how Sporting tried to sell him for 15 million euros to Wolves and now he's been the heartbeat of their title challenge. Uh, do you think there's a potential for Sporting to sell him uh, this coming summer? And if so, where do you think it would be and, and for how much? Good question. Um, if I had the information, I, I have uh, I would already written, but um, I, I think it, it might depend also with, because uh, uh, Padinha admitted he, he gave us an interview uh, to, to record uh, some months ago. He admitted that he wanted to leave because uh, Premier League was calling him. And when the Premier League calls you, well, I think you have to you have to listen carefully. And uh, and if if I was a player in the Premier League, some club club of the Premier League was calling me, uh, I think I I, I would go. But um, he with with the season that he's doing, um, even if he's not going to be called up for the Euro, um, I, I think. Maybe he could. He he wants to leave. Uh, it depends, of course, of the of the clubs that want uh, might want to sign him. But I believe that Sporting can 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 make more than 15 million, because when Sporting was asking 15 million, uh, Padinha was not playing uh, like he is playing now. Uh, so uh, I think that and, and I think that you have to see that victories. And the, the 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 good football that Sporting also plays, I think that this uh, makes the, the players uh, uh, more valuable. And Premier League clubs usually have money. So, for example, maybe 25, I don't know, 30 million. I know. I'm, I'm just guessing. It, it it might depend because we also know that the the, the transfer market is not like before due to, to due to the pandemic where clubs are are, are spending uh, less are going more with the loans with option to buy uh, in the next year so but i believe that sporting can can get more than 15 million in, in euro um, and if that if that happens i think it's going to be also a good deal for sporting yeah, definitely. Um, I want to talk a bit about my talent of the week, which was um, Marcus Edwards this week. I think Marcus Edwards probably been one of my favourite players to watch in Portugal, um, not just this season. I mean, uh, this season, I think he's been a bit inconsistent um, across the season. You know, he has been dropped a couple of times um, this season at Vitoria. But I think for the most part, he's, you know, an exceptional talent, um, 22 years of age. And I mean, like, when I watch him, I see a lot of similarities to um, the player I mentioned earlier, Jaden Sancho. And it's really scary. Like, I was watching the game that Vittorio won 1-0 uh, 
against uh, Maritimo and um, Marcus Edwards, he was on a different planet to every other player on the pitch. I, it was incredible. You know, when I checked the stats later, he had completed 12 out of 16 dribbles. I mean, in football, that's what, almost unheard of. I've, I've almost never seen a player in any league do that before. Not even like Adama Traore, who loves to dribble. And I mean, that compared to like his technical proficiency, you know, being able to create so much, finding the right passes. I mean, I just think that when he does find that extra gear and gets his move back into England, potentially after being let go by Tottenham, um, or, you know, going to another one of the top five leagues, when he does start to shine in one of those top five leagues, it will not come out as a surprise at all to anyone who has watched him this season. Because I think despite his inconsistencies, I think every time he's played, you can just tell that there's that bright spark there that's just waiting to come alive. Um, Zach and David, what are your thoughts on Marcus Edwards? Yeah, as you mentioned, Dennis, um, he's one of the most exciting players to watch in Portugal. Uh, been a bit inconsistent this season, but obviously that's natural for a young player. I thought he was uh, fantastic against um, Boavista on Friday. Just, you know, the ability to really change the game with the blink of an eye and, you know, change direction. Definitely a, um, a player for, for any Premier League team who wants that elusive dribbler in the side who can just create goal scoring opportunities like that. Uh, still a bit raw, but I think his, his talent and his, um, his, I guess his, his ability to lead an attack is, is something else. Um, Vitoria have been really reliant on him for creativity over the past two seasons. Um, and I think they will get a, a, a big, um, return for him, you know, getting him on a free transfer uh, just two years back after his deal expired with Spurs. Um, I know there were some reports of him having a bad attitude, but I do think that, you know, being in a foreign country and perhaps dropping down a peg to from a team such as Tottenham to a team such as Vitoria can definitely help in that regard. Um, so I think that a lot of those concerns about his maturity, about his attitude, have probably been put to bed um, by his spell at Victoria de Guimaraes. Um, and one thing that you, you have to applaud them, Victoria, is uh, getting him to sign a new, G, uh, a new deal um, at, at the start of January, increasing his release clause to 45 million pounds. Um, obviously with Brexit, British players are going to be at an even bigger premium for Premier League teams. Uh, and and to be able to get a player such as Marcus Edwards uh, for for free and be able to land the profit of, I, I think it will probably be in the region of 20, 30, maybe even 40 million. Um, definitely, I think it'll probably be more than what they got for Edmund Tapsoba um, for from Bayer Leverkusen last year. So I think they could definitely land a... Um, a, a club record transfer hall for him. So definitely a player who will probably be on the move back to the Premier League uh, sooner rather than later. And Vitoria are going to enjoy a very, very nice profit uh, when they do sell him. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, in terms of profit, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a, good, a really good deal for uh, for uh, for uh, Vitoria. I think it's it was a, a really good good move by Carlos Freitas, the, the sporting director that that, that signed some some players. Uh, I think that I, I spoke with some people that told me that he was already uh, following Marcos from for some years from now. Um, and then, well, then to, to land the deal, it's it's uh, the most difficult part, he, and he did it. So, um, of course, one of the best sporting directors that Portugal has also. Um, and this year, it's true. Uh, I think that people were expecting that he could be playing more, but we cannot forget that uh, Vitória Guimarães signed Ricardo Quaresma, the star player, and uh, and then in the winter market they signed Ruben Lameiras from from Alicão. Uh, they usually uh, play with with two wingers, and Ricardo Quaresma at the right uh, normally, where uh, Marcos played last season. I saw uh, especially uh, two games this season of Marcos against Benfica. I think the first one in the League Cup or at the Cup where um, he received the ball at the, at the, at the midfielder and the midfield, he, he turned really quick and then he ran uh, to, to the area and give the ball to, to another player and uh, Vitoria scored like that. And then in the second match against Benfica, I think in the championship, uh, he, he, he had the chance to make the, the winning goal at last minute, a winning goal, and he he failed. But but I think he's he's a really exciting player. Uh, again, left-footed, so uh, <laughs> I really appreciate appreciate him. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. When Vitoria uh, managed to sign a player uh, that in Portugal we didn't know a lot a lot about him, but when we saw a young player that won uh, titles with the England youth level that was playing in the Tottenham, one of the biggest clubs in England. Well, we thought a little bit strange how uh, when a player like this comes to Benfica Sporting or, or Porto, it's more common, but to go to Vitória de Guimarães is not that usual. So, um, and, and the first season of, that he made was, uh, was amazing. Uh, really, the, the speed, the, the, the dribbling, uh, exciting player, like, like I said. Um, this year, not so good, but I think that he can also be an important player for the rest of the season. And I, I agree with you, Zach. Uh, I think that um, maybe in the future, Vitoria can, can make a, a huge deal, even higher than the Tapsoba. I think that Tapsoba was uh, 18 million euro, the, the highest uh, player that the Vitoria sold. But uh, let's see, let's see. Um, for, for, for the Portuguese to have a player like that with the, 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 um, the background that he has in the Portuguese championship, it's, 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 it's brilliant. Yeah, and just to finish up, I think that Marcus Edwards could have a similar impact um, to Jaden Sancho and Christian Pulisic in terms of influencing more English players to uh, go to Portugal and get that first opportunity yeah, Vitoria signed Suleiman uh, after that, so right, and yeah. also a, a goalkeeper from from Chelsea. I think I'm not remembering the name. So yeah, Nicholas Ty, I believe. Yeah, um, I think it's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll. I think we'll definitely have an impact. Obviously, Angel Gomes 
having an incredible season at Boavista after leaving Manchester United. Um, Ryan Gold is a bit different and that he's Scottish and, and joined Portugal a few years prior. But uh, I do think that Marcus Edwards' breakthrough at Vitoria will definitely convince a lot of players uh, who aren't getting opportunities at, you know, at Premier League clubs uh, to, to seek um, greener pastures in Portugal because really it's a low risk high reward strategy for these Portuguese teams. At, at the very worst, you'll end up loaning him and, and selling him for, for a low fee. Um, at, at the best, you can end up getting a 40, 30 million uh, euro profit. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, over a month, it was tremendous business from Vitoria to be able to snatch him up, obviously after uh, amazing praise by Pochettino in the media, you know, dubbed the, the next Messi, obviously that term gets thrown around a lot, but it was what Pochettino used. And yeah, certainly a, a, a very, very talented player. Um, I think that's all we've got time for today. Um, in today's episode four of Cotterling's podcast, I'd like to thank Zach again, as usual, for joining me in hosting this episode. And obviously I'd like to thank our very special guest, David Novo, for taking time out of his day. Thank you very much, David. Thank you very much for your invitation once again and uh, keep up the, the good work. And I hope you can keep up also the, the attention that you ha that you have for the Portuguese football. It's a pleasure for me to to help somehow talk about the Portuguese um, football. So uh, thank you once again for for having me and for this this time that we spent here. Uh, I love to, to to speak about football. So uh, anytime you want, be my guest to invite me because it's, it was a privilege and, and a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolute pleasure to have you on, David. Um, as somebody who's been subscribing to Hickard for almost a year now, uh, it's been an enjoy. It's been a privilege to uh, read uh, high quality content about the Portuguese league on a weekly basis. So uh, I highly recommend subscribing to Hickard and yeah, I really hope to have you on again soon in the near future um, and potentially collaborate even more between uh, with, with Breaking Lions. And uh, yeah, thank you, Dennis, again, for a great job uh, with hosting on episode four of Cortalinish podcast. Yeah, so thank you, everybody at home for listening. Um, we know that this has been obviously the longest episode so far of the Cortalinish podcast. We do hope that you've enjoyed Every it's single my fault. second of it. Sorry for that. I speak a lot. No, so. it's all right. It's, it's my fault. Right. <laughs> uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable. And yeah, we'll see you all next time for episode five of the Cortlingish podcast.